can you discuss the process of what it took to get that started? What were the initial startup costs and what kind of licenses you had to get? Give me all of those details. I started looking at life different. Seeing all those debts and all that, it's just like, I had a different perspective. Every client should be at least a $2,000 client, at least, and that's on the low side. I consistently bring in 50K month and I never would have ever, 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 ever thought that would be possible. I only did one day a week. What? Yep. And I was making more than I had ever made, by the way. What is up, guys? Jason here. Welcome back to the channel in our series, Nurses to Riches, The Road to Fire. If you're a nurse who's wanted to start a med spa business because you're burned out from your job, you're tired of being kicked, yelled at, or spit at while being the unit nurse, unit tech, secretary, housekeeper, psychologist, today we're going to be speaking with Dr. Keona Jones, a nurse with 16 years of experience who quit her job at UCLA, making $90 per hour to run her own med spa business, earning over $50,000 per month and she's on this show to show you how to do the same so with that said dr jones tell us a little bit about your background and who you are yeah so i am a nurse practitioner i'm a family nurse practitioner a doctoral prepared family nurse practitioner and i currently work as an entrepreneur okay and give me a little bit more background how did you become a nurse and why did you decide to become a nurse yeah, you know what? I actually entered into the first master's entry clinical nurse program in SoCal at UCLA. My actual my background, I went to USC and I have a bachelor's in public health. So I thought I was going to go to medical school and I went to USC and I'm like, after taking those sciences and then I just realized that I was trying to go for something, not really understanding what it fully entailed and would require of my life. And so then I decided, all right, well, what other things could I do? Because I didn't find it enjoyable. People in my classes weren't enjoyable. I'm like, these are my potential colleagues. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> so it really made me reevaluate my life. I completed the program. It's called Health Promotion Disease Prevention at USC. And then I was like, well, what do I want to do? I knew I wanted to do something that would allow me flexibility. I knew I did not want to do have the monotony of like working, doing the same thing every day, like accounting or something like that. And so I looked into nursing. I have a different perspective of nursing because I was in a room and in a class with all second career people. And it allowed me to look at nursing differently. So that was kind of my entryway. But when I graduated, I went straight into critical care. I knew I didn't really want to go to bedside. But back then, which I've been a nurse for almost 16 years. So back then it was like, you don't even have the conversation about doing anything but bedside when you graduate. And so I worked there as a full-time nurse at the bedside for about three years. I chose nursing because I really wanted to have a life that did not just involve monotony. I was excited to be able to serve and help people. And I know that's like a cliche. It really is. A lot of different ways, by the way. Yeah. I definitely learned that now. But yeah. at the time I was like, okay, I went from a doctor. I was gonna do that, change my mind, but what could I still do that will still give me that ability to help and serve? And so that's how I initially chose nursing. Now, why I stayed is a whole different conversation, but initially it was the freedom to be able to uh, have the flexibility with my schedule, to be able to serve and just not have the same thing every day. I knew that I could work in different departments if I got bored. I knew, you know, I could figure out who I was in this nursing space. So that's why I chose it, though. And did you grow up in California? Born and raised in South LA. Yeah. Wow. So where did you land your first job? 
I worked at the VA. I worked at the VA in Westwood. And honestly, when I completed nursing school, nursing was one of those, you had to come in. It didn't matter if you had no experience. It didn't matter if you had a associate's, bachelor's, master's, you were coming in under the same pay grade. VA was the only organization that if you had a master's, you were already bumped up into to a nurse two. And so I went the route of getting bumped up to nurse two with my master's considered. But none of the other hospitals were doing that. They're doing it now, I believe, because there's a lot of master's entry program. But at that time, they were not. And like, there was a, a lot of reason why I chose the VA. But definitely when you graduate and you've been without work for seven years. <laughs> yeah. And the reason for those seven years is because you were in school the whole time, right? Yeah, exactly. I went straight from undergrad to, to the master's program. So oh. my goal, I thought I was going to graduate undergrad and get a job making great money. And I'll start looking around like, oh my gosh, like I got to continue on <laughs> so, <laughs> long run. <laughs> so I needed to be making some money. <laughs> and you were working in the critical care unit, right? When you first started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so at the VA, and now I appreciate it. Of course, at the time I did not. Their critical care unit, and I don't know if it's still the case, but back then they would uh, rotate you to all the critical care units. So I worked on P. ICU was my primary home, but I also worked in ICU, ED, step down, and we rotated like twice a week. So about 40% of my time was at my home unit. The rest I was rotating, which looking back, of course, I appreciate it because I developed a great skill set because of it. That's looking back, but at that time, I bet you hated it. So much. You you yeah. have no idea. So I mean, literally the ED, even to this day, like I've, you know, grown up in nursing. So I've worked in leadership and like when I went round as a house soup and go to ED, it still makes me, it was not my thing. Right. So I still have a visceral response. Yeah. Listen, girl, I work in the ED currently and it's still not my thing. I, <laughs> and I only work five days every two weeks. My hat goes off ED. Yeah. Like literally, I just want to peek my head in like everything good. Y'all need something? All right, bye. (laughs) So do you remember how much you earned in that first job? Yeah, I I was making 77,000 a year. That was real. Oh my God. Even now, like that's not a little bit of money. By the time I left, I was, I I was about 105. Like I was somewhere. I remember like, cause you get, they will pay, they pay well. I'm not, the VA is a great organization. They pay well. And so you get raises. And I was only there for three years and I was already like bumped up over 30,000, but they pay you for your training. Like if you go get certified and you know, all these different things they do, they do invest in their people. So I was almost at like 105 by the time I left. Jeez, that's, that's actually a lot of money. After three years, you went from 70 something thousand to 105. Yep. 77. Cause as soon as you pass or you have a new grad, they have this, they had this program. I don't know if they still have this called echo. And so that was like a six week intense, like new grad program. And as soon as you graduate from that, you automatically got an increase. And so, you know, your increases were pretty frequent, especially if you knew how to maximize what they required to just get more money, more money, get on committees, things like that. How many hours a week were you working at the time? Yeah. So the VA required three 12 hour shifts and then one eight, like every two weeks. I think we worked at eight. That's a weird template. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So they were like, you know, that would equal to your 80 hours. Right. Because it's like 36, 36 and then an eight. Yeah. So you would that would technically make you a full time employee then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For them. Now, you know, yeah. other hospitals in SoCal, you full time was 36 hours, but the VA, yeah. they want their full 40. Did they have part-time positions there? No, no, no no per diem. It it was rare that I, I, 
I, I don't recall ever seeing, especially on our, our units, like in the critical care, I don't recall ever seeing like registry or anything like that. Oh, man. I wonder if it's still like that. Yeah, I wonder too, but I, I would not be surprised. It's the government. So, you know, the government yeah. moves slow. <laughs> very, very slow. That's an understatement. Okay, so after three years of working there, where did you go? First of all, I have to share how I quit. I quit the VA. I was miserable. And I, and I don't, looking back as a mature nurse, I realized that it didn't grow me like I needed. Like it didn't nourish me, like mentally, emotionally. It wasn't even necessarily the workload. It was really the environment. Environment. So I worked for them for three years. The last year was horrible for me. And I was really in an internal battle because everybody's looking around and saying like, Kiana, you did it. You made it. You know, you're making great money. But I was really unhappy. And so I felt a lot of, I don't know, stress every time I had to go to work, even when I wasn't at work. So I one day I just decided to quit. My mom, she was telling me don't quit. Everyone was like, you know, hang in there. And I was just like, I can't do this. And it was the last I was sitting in my car. I was so upset. I was crying. I said, I'm quitting this job. I had nothing lined up. So I walked in and I resigned on a piece of paper and gave my two week notice. And I had no plan. When I left there, I had no plan. Mind you, I was recently separated, two young kids, like every reason to stay. I was just miserable. And so when I resigned, then I started applying for jobs, of course, like crazy. And the first one was working adjunct at a university. And I think the university is still up. It's in Long Beach. It was a small private university. And I started working there adjunct. And I was doing that and then kind of just doing registry here and there just to keep the lights on. (laughs) And I did that until I I landed a full-time job at West Coast University. And so I became uh, full-time there. And then I was lead faculty. And then I got hired at UCLA. And I worked there for like eight years per diem. It was great. Like UCLA is great. I have nothing, nothing bad to say about UCLA. So that's what I did. I worked at West Coast for 11 years. And on and off at UCLA for about eight years, I ended up going to school during that time. So I took a leave and then I went back. So it it was, it was, I did not stop working for UCLA until the end of 2020 is when I officially. Oh man, that was just three years ago. All right, let, let's backtrack a little bit. I just want to mention what you did takes balls because you know how many nurses I know wish they could just bring in a resignation letter to yeah. work and just leave and not yeah. come back? It required a level. And, and looking back, of course, you you know, always hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Looking back, I was like, I was so courageous and like, I'm a believer. So I, I I really, God always shows up for me. And so it was, I had no one supporting me with this move, but myself, but I just knew I was going to be okay. I don't know how I can't explain like, it just was, I knew it was going to work out, but I knew if I stayed there, I was going to just continue to be miserable and unhappy. And this is the conversation I have with nurses all the time. It's like, you know, us, we like to have everything figured out, everything laid out. But when you decide to do something courageous, most of the time you only have one step that you can see in front of you. That's true. And you got to take it. So what were your duties and your roles and responsibilities when you went to, you said West Coast University Mm -hmm. and then UCLA? What did you do in both of those positions? So at West Coast, I was, um, I started off as adjunct and then I did didactic. Then I went into public health, which I loved because those students, you know, they're almost about to graduate. They're, they, I came in at advancement, surge, uh, clinical, and then funds. So you already know I was stressed. I, I became a uh, faculty full-time. I was doing public health, which was great. I loved it. We were always out in the community doing things. I did that and I became lead faculty and I was lead faculty 
faculty for like eight years at West Coast. And so at that time, I was on the curriculum committee, program learning outcome committee. Like it was great. I was learning a lot and just really having a voice for like, because I am I consider myself like a non-traditional nurse. And at that time, I was probably 32. Like I was super young. It allowed me to have a voice for those who are like me, especially the younger generation of nurses and then also the minority nurses. And so speaking at committees and like being able to be a voice was was super rewarding. So I did that. I loved it. But as you know, West Coast is a private university, so they're cranking them out. So <laughs> one class could easily be 50 students and you had three. So it was a lot of grading, a lot of work, but I love the students. So I did that at UCLA. I actually started out as per diem. And then from there, I ended up being relief house suit. So I kind of worked as per diem. And then they were like, the director came to me and was like, had you ever thought about it? And I'm like, I do it. And so I did that for like three years. So were you per diem at UCLA as an ICU nurse? No, I was per diem and the, they have, they call it the resource team. Okay. So I went everywhere and it, I did not go to ICU. In fact, I went everywhere except ICU. So ortho, step down, you know, wherever their regular med surge, wherever they yeah. sent me, I went cool. when I was resource. And then when I came over into the house soup role, I was still per diem. Like I was only required to work four days, but then I was just kind of relief for all of the uh, full-time houses. And do you remember what your work schedule was like? How many hours a week were you working in each of these jobs? Yeah, not a lot. I had finally finessed my way. I, I thought I had made it actually <laughs> because full-time at the university at the time I was working there was 19 hours. I was considered full-time. Oh. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, people don't yeah. know about that. So, um, essentially, I, I taught three class when I was full-time, I taught three classes. So those were like five, you got five-hour credits for those right and then by the time you had your office hours and time to correct papers and things like that that was my my time and so essentially i only had to be on campus now this was back then now it's probably more uh online options but back then i only had to be on campus for 15 hours unless there was a meeting or something like that and so at ucla i only did one day a week what Yep. And I was making more than I had ever made, by the way. <laughs> really? Okay. Let's talk about income then. How much did you make yeah. at West Coast University? And then how much did you make at UCLA? Yeah. So at West Coast was a salaried position, right? Mm -hmm. And so we made, I want to say 85K a year. Yeah. And so I was happy. That was I literally 15 hours. I had to be on campus yes. so the meeting or the end of the, the term or whatever, mm -hmm. but it was really good. And then at UCLA at the time we were making, I want to say like in the seventies an hour, but okay. you know, UCLA, we had, they have a very strong union. So by the time I left, we were, I was at like 93, I think an hour. Wow. And that was like, I told you the end of like 2020. And then we had just signed a new uh, contract. Our union had just signed a new contract and we were, they were on track to be at like 106. And so I think they're over 100 now for the uh, resource. Yeah. And, and part of that is because you had your master's degree, correct? No. No? Listen, oh. I was at UCLA working with nurses. They would fly in from like Georgia, yeah. Louisiana, and they would work both their days up, work, and then go back home. It was just that good money. And no, you did not have to have a master's. And per diem is, is a set rate. So they, well, it's called resource there, but they don't care about my master's. I, I That's why I tell people like, when you're at the bedside, you know, it's like now maybe they do, but when it comes to resource, it's set and they're a union. So if, if you are in, you're obviously qualified. 
And are you part of the union as a per diem nurse? You are a part of the union as a per diem nurse. Now, do you have a lot of leverage in the union? But you are part of the union. Every time yeah. everybody gets a raise, you get a raise, you know? And so, yes, you, you, do, you are a part of the union technically. Awesome. So what do you... Okay, so you said you lasted there till 2020. What did you do after that? So I... Went full-time as an entrepreneur. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Hold on a second. You said you had it so good at UCLA, and then you just quit? Okay, so we were, COVID hit about March. I yeah. think we all had an awakening during that yeah. time. So the resource pool was pretty much charged to screen all of the UCLA healthcare employees. So from all departments, they had us screening them. Now, this was when we didn't know much about COVID. So we were screening all of the healthcare employees who were exposed. We realized, you know, of course they realized everyone was exposed. We didn't know about it. And it was great. We were, I was out there, I was working hard, like doing my part. You know, we were passionate. Like this is, this is our chance to serve, right? And then it got really political, you know? And it was like all of a sudden with the whole mask thing and in 95, we had ID doctors coming in saying like, why do you guys not have on N95 masks? Like you need on N95 masks. And then they were saying, you guys don't. I had N95 masks at home. I was like, can I bring my own? Because yeah. you know, I'm looking at the literature. So long story short, I went on the leave. Mm -hmm. And so when I went on the leave, I was off up until about the end of the year. And then I finally resigned. So when I resigned, picked up a travel, local travel, it was okay. only like 15 minutes from my house. One of those great travel, you know, that was happening during COVID, like 10K a week travel. Yeah. I couldn't pass it up. So it was like um, an eight week assignment, but that assignment changed me forever and, and, and changed how I looked at nursing, changed just how I looked at life. And I always talk about, you know, post-pandemic stress uh, disorder, which is a real yeah. thing. And I experienced it. And I was, I went through like depression. I was like so overwhelmed with the death. And also just the people around me who were actually working with me, I just realized that it was time for me to really get serious about entrepreneurship and bet on myself. And so I left that travel assignment in February of 2021, and I've been full-time um, entrepreneur ever since. Okay. And when you say entrepreneur, what exactly are you doing? So I actually have been an owner of a med spa since 2018, and I was oh. doing it part-time. So that was where I was filling in the rest of my time, right, which was doing the um the having the med spa and so i started in permanent makeup i grew it past permanent makeup to like uh weight loss and then from there IV hydration and then added on aesthetics and so i've been in business for a while but i i realized during that travel assignment i was pretty much playing and it was time to get serious COVID made me start coaching and mentoring people in this space because i just was sharing my story on social and a lot of people were reaching out saying can you help me can you help me and then that kind of branched off into that. And I just realized that if I did not make the move now, that I probably was never going to do it. So I had already been building my foundation, though. So it wasn't like I just left in 2020 and started there. No, I had already been on the journey since 2018, early 2018. Okay, so let's let's break this down a little bit. You said in 2018 is when you started the med spa. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss the process of what it took to get that started? What were yeah. the initial startup costs and yeah. what kind of licenses you had to get? Give mm -hmm. me all of those details because a lot of the viewers that watch these videos, they want to start their own med spa and they yeah. don't know how they to do, do it. it. And you don't have to go into all of it, but just like a brief. Some of the 
the core, and these are the biggest obstacles that I find from working with nurses in this space is that they have put in their mind. Because I'm not going to say they're, they're genuine obstacles. I just think that we don't know, so we ask the wrong questions because we don't know. So one of those is, like, you have to have a medical director. Now, if you're not in a full practice authority state and you're not a nurse practitioner, you have to have a medical director. Now, in Cali, this is, well, at the time I started, it was restricted practice state. Now it's transitioned to practice. So, um, and I was not an FMP. I didn't graduate and complete my FMP until 2021. So at the time I launched, I had to have a medical director. And then you also have to make sure you have protocols and policies that support your scope of practice. So you're not operating outside of your practice when you are owning this business. Now, California allows 51, 49% ownership. So any healthcare practitioner can own a med spa. They just have to be minority owner, the medical board does not want majority owner to be anyone aside of a medical doctor. And you guys discuss what that financial consideration is for them. It's totally determined by you. So I can't say like, this is how much you pay because they have to have some level of involvement in the business because it's not just a, I'm buying your license. That's not how it works. Right. And so in addition to that, people think that you have to have all of like, you got to go through the department of health and you got to go through, but you really don't. Because by virtue of your medical doctor being licensed in the state, you being licensed in the state, the understanding is that you are qualified to provide treatments at the medical level for these clients. You just have to make sure you have the proper business licensing. And then also, of course, that you're meeting whatever set forth by like the Board of Professions here in California. And so that requires, that's a little tedious and you have to learn a lot about that. But other than that, I teach a framework called the minimum viable med spa framework, which essentially you starting small, you don't have to have a big location. You don't have to. And that's really the, the biggest obstacle that I see from nurses is they think you have to have a hundred thousand dollars and you don't, you see these solas and Phoenix salons launching all over the place. Right. Yeah. And in most States you can operate your small aesthetic business right out of one of those, which is low cost, just a solopreneur. And you don't have to have a lot of treatments that you're offering to have a successful business. So what I tell people is like, start small. You don't have to have all the offerings that's out there. Just focus on a few and then scale. Once you start to grow, you'll know when it's time for you to go to a larger space or whatever. And I would say essentially the startup cost, if you follow like a minimum lean approach to starting your med spa, 20,000 wow. and that's including your skills, all that. Yeah. That's reasonable. Wow. Very much so. Okay. So you started it in 2018. Did you have any employees at the time? No. When I first started, it was just me. I did grow and eventually had employees. I was working with three. I had an esthetician and then I had like a non-medical beauty technician, which we were offering teeth whitening and body contouring. And then I had a receptionist, but I had relocated to a different, larger location. And then that's when I scaled to have actual employees. And at what point did you make that transition to the larger location? 2020. Was it when you quit your job in UCLA? No, I I made the transition and I want to say we were right on the cusp of that steep increase in incidences of COVID Mm -hmm. in 2020. So it was about September when I signed the new lease and then November when I officially moved in. But I, 
I had just not a great experience with my other landlords. So it was just one of those times where it was time to transition on. And so, yeah. And I, I, sh- I should have told you the name. Lux Beauty and Wellness Boutique is the name of the Okay. And you're located in L.A., correct? Yes, it's in L.A. It, and specifically Bellflower. So you quit your job at UCLA. Did you have enough income from this med spa business coming in? that allowed you to support yourself while you were looking for that travel gig that you worked on for, you know, 13 weeks or whatever it was? Right. Yes, I was bringing in decent revenue at the spa. I wouldn't say I would have been comfortable to sustain if I didn't have that boost on that eight-week assignment, though. It was just, you know, you reach a point where you know that your job is in the way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's a gradual process. But at some point, even when you're calculating those 10K weeks, it's like, I could have been spending this time, like how much growth you could have had in your business. And you start to have to decide you, you're net. I, I wasn't ready, but that's the perfect time to start when you're not ready. I wasn't. I'm telling you the truth. Everything you're telling me right now is what I am going through at the moment. Like every day that I talk to my wife, I'm (laughs) contemplating quitting my job. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, you know, there's many ways we can come up with the money. But the thing is, you know, when you're trying to support a family of four and you think about the insurance costs involved in that, like I know as a business owner, that can be a deduction, right? But you still got to think about it like, you know, you have two kids at home. If they get sick, if you get sick and something happens, that's all that's going through my mind. Right. But where? what's so I'm in California and I, I will tell you the insurance thing was definitely something. I, I'm a mom of three. I have five total kids. Wow. My husband has wow. two and then yeah. I have two and then we have one together. So we have a big family. Okay, we the Brady Bunch, right? So definitely insurance was a big challenge for me, but I had never up until... 2020, but I had never looked at what does it really cost to pay for my own, have my own insurance. And I've always been told by my mom, my grandma, like, you know, you have to have benefits, 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 right? I had never taken the time to actually look. (laughs) So when I did look, and we have something called Covered California, where you can pay for your own medical insurance here. And I think most states have something similar. I was actually only paying, this is my uh, nursing supervisor job, would have only been paying $300 more a month. And so when I was house soup, and we didn't even talk about this, but I was house soup at a community hospital for five years. And I stayed, that was my solely for my medical benefits, why I stayed there for so long, only to realize that $3,600 more I had to pay. And I've been paying for my, our health insurance. We've been paying for our health insurance ever since. All right. Well, let me tell you how much we pay currently. $78 every two weeks uh-huh. for a family of four. Yeah. And if I quit my job, it's going to be okay. $2,000 a month. <laughs> okay, but but how much can... Here's the thing. You can generate so much more than 2000 a month with your platform. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing it because, see, that's the thing. We comparing the 78, yes, when you said compare 78 to 2000 But when you think about that time and you're bringing in an extra 10000 Yeah. So true. I ha- it, it is, it's, it's a personal... I always say, like, it's, it's definitely personal, but you'll realize the earning potential is, sky- like, honestly, it was the best decision, scariest I've ever made. You know, every entrepreneur says the same thing, that when they made that decision to quit their job, that's when they saw their income 10x. Mm-hmm. And it almost activates something in you, because you know, like, it's sink or swim, and you're not going to sink. 
because it's not in you to think. So you're going to figure it out. So, uh, all right, now let's talk about the income from your med spa business. Mm -hmm. How much were you earning, uh, you know, when you first opened it up? Oh, my gosh. My first year, I probably bought about 36000 I didn't bring it much at all my first year. Listen, I was so in debt that first year. It was scary. Um, I probably brought in about 36000 Now, during this time, I was doing permanent makeup, teeth whitening, and, like, weight loss. And I really did not know. I was working, also going to school for my PhD. Like, I was doing a lot. So yeah. I didn't really dig in at that time, my first year. And then probably it wasn't until the second year half of the second year that I really was like, okay, I got to really get this together. Now think about it. That was in 2018. There was no COVID in sight. So, and I had to work through like those fears of like, you know, job, like my job was the priority. That was like an afterthought that I had there. And so it was about 36,000 for the whole year. But you know, 36,000 is not bad for someone who just started a business. That's an extra $3,000 a month. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, I was the only practice, like I was doing permanent makeup. Yep. So it required my time, but yep. it was like three hours and I would make $350 wow. in three hours. It wasn't bad. Like, yeah. so yeah. So, and then adding on products, I started adding on products. These were all non-medical products. I started adding on those and that also helped boost me up. So and when you started hiring employees, do you think your income began to rise when you did that? Or do you feel like you were spending more on the employees than the income you were generating? Yeah. So my income actually the second year, which would have been 2019, it was it was rising. It was already rising just because I was getting more clients. I was getting referrals. I added the weight loss. So people were trying to lose weight. So that was already helping me. I had like contracted employees during that time. So like 2020, I got the new location launched about February of 2021 or January. And then that's when I had really leveraged employees. And the revenue started to increase because I was offering offering other services as well. Like, like I said, we were doing, we had an esthetician there. So those same people also were interested in, you know, aesthetics. So it started to grow from there. The challenge is having other people on your team who it's your, it's your little small business and nobody's going to take care of your business the way you will. Nobody's going to take care of your clients through it and your patients the way you will. Yeah. So that was a unlocked a whole nother set of challenges. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel you on that one. Yeah. I know what that's like because, you know, hiring a video editor, that's like my biggest obstacle because you have your vision of what you want your videos to look like, but your editor might not have that same vision. Then, um, you know, when you hire a virtual assistant or just like other team members for, for yeah. your business, it's not the same. You, it feels like you have to put training wheels on them and teach them exactly what it is that you do and why you think the way that you think. Yeah. But sometimes it just not, it might not be a good fit and you yeah. might have to move on and find somebody else and that's what's happened and especially when you as, as small business owners like us it's not like they're just a number so you you have some type of and then it, it, it makes you delay a little bit longer than in, the inevitable you know what you should be like if it's not working you got to part ways but it's like oh let me give them another chance or then you think about all the work that's going to be involved to train somebody else <laughs> and 
taking away from your time. Like it's not easy. But um, since then, I've actually transitioned my business model where I lease out my room. I did not find enjoyment in <laughs> having a team. I'm gonna tell you the truth. And so for me, this whole move for entrepreneurship was birthed out of me wanting to be full in my life, like live life the way I want to live it. And so I didn't want to find myself back being a slave to something that I didn't ultimately want. So it required a lot of honest conversations with myself. I'm like, okay, is this the direction this is going? Is this going to get me to my utopian goal? And if it's not, I redirect. And so that's how I ended up bringing people and letting them lease the spot. And then I have my own, I have my office where I treat my clients and they lease for me and it works out great. I don't have to worry about what you're doing, nothing. That's your business, your, you know, your business license, everything. How did you reach out to these people and ask them if they wanted to lease out your space? They reached out to me. Like I'm always on social sharing my journey. So you, the DMs, they come. Um, but my most recent one, she actually is someone who I knew who she was actually offering the treatment at another location. And then she was just saying she wanted to have her own spot. And then I was like, I got a room available if you want to lease it. And so just worked out. Honestly, it was pretty organic with my space, with the people who lease for me though. Like I never, they reach out to me because my coaching side of my business is able to bring in enough revenue for both of them right now. So I had to aggressively seek somebody because like the lights wasn't going to stay on or anything like that. Yeah. So and so how much were you earning from the business when you weren't le- when you weren't leasing out these spaces for my actual spa? Yeah. Well, if we're talking about 2022 from my actual location, I probably brought in about 130 from my location. And that was just me alone. Yeah. Right. But I had a whole coaching program, full transparency. I went in hard on my coaching in 2021, like really hard. And so it aligned with what I wanted for my life. Then I was left just, I only took my usual clients. I did not take new clients while I was building my online academy. And so it's still 130 is not bad, but it's easy. <laughs> in aesthetics, the, the money is definitely there. So honestly, that's not like that bedside nursing. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not at all. Like, you know, and one of my framework I teach with products being priced at 50% profit for you and every client should leave out with a product for their skin. And then also the treatments, every client should be at least a $2,000 client at least. And that's on the low side. Wow. Yeah, for sure. And if you do well enough, every three months they're coming back. It makes sense because Tasha, the nurse that I interviewed who owns the beauty aesthetics company told me she made like 360,000 on her first year of business. Yeah, and it, it's mostly because of like upsells with all of the services that she provided. Yeah, exactly. And, and products is something that people often don't yeah. think about, but like those, those, those are huge ROIs for me to even do that. Working as less as I work was really good. Like my, my most profitable was 300 over 300 K, but I was going through like, am I going to stay in coaching? I had to decide. I had a coach and the coach was like, what you going to do one or the other? And I was like, which one is really going to get me where I want to go in life? And it, and that is like traveling on a beach somewhere. <laughs> my kid and homeschooling her like, that wasn't going to get me there so i had to redirect but i still do i still do take patients though so you transitioned to the coaching side of the of your business at what point did you make the decision you said it was in a, around 2021 yeah well 2021 when i had to make a decision so okay. that was the same time where i left the bedside altogether i had to, i haven't worked for anyone since then and then it was just like 
are you going to go? I had to decide which one I was going to go in on. 2022 was really, I didn't probably do much. So that's why I said that was my like 130 year, but it had to be like, I had to decide. And so you, you asked me what made me decide or. Yeah. So at what point did you, because you didn't start coaching from the get go, right? You didn't start in 2018. You started somewhere around what? 2020, 2021. Yeah. My first introduction to it was an ebook. And it was okay. only because people kept sending me DMs and was like, well, how are you doing this? And I was like, I have a background in education. Like I've been in academia. Like I'm sure I can throw together. I'm looking at people out here that, so I created an ebook and then by the end of 2020, I launched it and I had made a thousand dollars. And I was like, okay. yeah. then in 2021, the beginning part of the year, I started doing one-to-ones because I wanted to see like, do I really know what I'm talking about? Or like, is this just a fluke? Yeah. And so from there is where I started creating frameworks. And then I started doing the group coaching setting session. So now did COVID have any effect on your decision to start the coaching side of your business? Because you know, when you have, when you have a business that requires customers to come to your business, to treat them in your location, yeah. COVID affected many businesses like salons and barbershops where they couldn't accept customers for months in some mm-hmm. locations. So how did that that affect your decision. So I'm in California. And you know, California yeah. is the first state to shut completely shut down, like nothing, nobody, unless you were emergency services. I was one of those. So that was a huge blow because just think about, let's see, 2018. So I'm two years in and I'm finally getting it, right? And then I had to totally close down. And then I'm looking on social and I'm seeing like all these people in this digital space and I'm reading about like, it's the, the way of the future. And I'm like, I've missed out on a lot of boats, but I'm not missing out on this boat. So that's what made me, it was like, what I'm going to do. It was never part of the plan though, to be honest, but it was like, you get forced in situations sometimes where you have to make a decision. And that was one of those. And so it definitely impacted me because we went through a weird, I mean, California, when I say we gradually, we got to like, okay, it's complete closure. And then the open up was like, maybe we're going to open. Maybe we're not. Maybe we're going to open. Maybe it, it was just a lot of back and forth. So it felt really unstable. And I knew, I needed another stream to come in. Like I was doing good when I was open and I didn't know if we were going to close down again. And sure enough, when we peaked again about oh, what October, yeah. then we closed down again. So it was just one of those things where I had, I, I saw that it just made sense for me to take my knowledge and monetize it. Plus I would be helping a lot of people who wanted to do the same thing and not just from the closure but from the you only live once perspective as well. It was like, nobody, we're not going to make it out this thing alive. You you may make it past COVID, but you only get one opportunity to live. So I started looking at life different. Seeing all those deaths and all that, it was just like, I had a different perspective. So what is included in your coaching services? So right now my academy is a four month mentorship and I have launched different offers off of it. Essentially I have a, a membership program, which is called the Nurse Boss Mob now. And that's a community of just current and aspiring healthcare entrepreneurs who are looking to go go into business or grow their business and, and want to kind of connect and network with like-minded people. We provide trainings, we provide industry experts, marketing, all the things that we need in business. So that's one. And then my nurse my med spa bootcamp is the four month mentorship. And so essentially what we're doing is we're building your med spa with you using the framework that's called the minimum viable med spa framework that I created. And it really is for those who have no background in aesthetics, who have no experience in business, 
who have decided that they want to get started in this industry. And so we help them from step A all the way through Z, including deals. Jeez, I wish I had a mentor to guide me through the process that I'm going through right now. Me too. <laughs> People gatekeep yeah. in this industry. They don't like yes. shit. For me, it's a passion project as well because it's like, I want to be the person I needed. Yeah. It'll save them a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. <laughs> wow. So what is your ultimate goal? I know you said you want to be able to travel while you do all of this, yeah. but financial goals, what financial goals are you looking at? Yeah. So it's interesting because I consistently bring in 50 K months and I never would have ever, 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 ever thought that would be possible. And you would think it would be like, I have arrived. Right. Yeah. But my financial goals is like, I'm just going to tell you what I want. Cause then whatever the finances it takes. Right. I want yeah. a house in another country. We have a house here. I want to travel the world with my daughter. My mom, I, I, she's on my full-time payroll. So I'm able to pay for her. That was one of my goals. It's all checked off my list. For me, if I profit 1 million or 1.2 a year, that that's great. Now profit, not yes, <laughs> but profit that would give, get me to where I want. And it, it really is about creating generational wealth for my kids, you know? And so nothing is about me ever. It's always about the people who matter the most to me. You remind me of the couple from Arich journey who moved to Portugal and now they're living in like a four bedroom, I think three or four bathroom apartment or condo that they purchased in Lisbon in Portugal. Man, they, they made a video recently. I think it was like a few months ago where they talked about how they spend their $250,000 per month income. And, and you know what? They used to live in San Francisco in the Bay Area and oh, they worked wow. in the public sector, but they were saving like 70 to 80% of their income for seven to eight years. Wow. Just so they can retire in Portugal and mm -hmm. send their kids to school there because Portugal is one of the few countries where the majority of the students and the people over there actually speak English. Their kids were able to transition there easily. And yeah. then they made a program around what it took them to get there. And they build a community around what they do. And now they make so much money from it because yeah. they teach other people how to do the same thing that they did. That's right. And that's what, it, in my mind, like my goals are really, I mean, yes, they're financial. Yes, I need to make money. Right. But it's like, I envision a movement of like healthcare professionals monetizing their license and their skill set. I sit in rooms with people and I've paid a lot of money to be in these rooms who are not in healthcare, who does not have the skill set we have, but they're making a crap ton of money because mm -hmm. they dare to be in these spaces. Yeah. And so my thing is like, I'm looking around, and I'm like, okay, there are so many qualified healthcare people, but we're so stuck in our boxes and we don't want to get out of the, out of the rat race, but we don't understand outside of that box is when you really are living. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're, you're using your mind to like unlock, like what your next steps is going to be or how much money you're going to bring in. And I just want people, even if it's just per diem, like, I mean, not per diem, like on the side, you have these side businesses because a lot, we're leaving it up to the other people that are not even skilled or educated like we are to teach the masses. And I yeah. feel like you're doing a disservice. So I know my viewers really well. And you mentioned $50,000 per month. They're going to want to know where that money's coming from. <laughs> so can you break down the percentage of where each revenue source comes yeah. from? Yeah. So right now, most of my revenue come from my coaching. I'm really deep in my coaching program and expanding it in my mentorship. But when it comes to my membership, my membership, maybe 15%. It's really my, my coaching program. I don't know. You want me to tell the amount of the investment, but it's not cheap. It's $7,500. Okay. 
to be okay. in my program. Yeah. Rightfully so, you're building a, a med spa, like that's gonna pay dividends over dividends years after year. So that's where majority, my med spa now, I, and I don't want you to get misled though. There is mm -hmm. money in the med spa industry. It's just one of yeah. me, I can't do yeah. both. Look, <laughs> I know how much money there is yeah, <laughs> because I've interviewed nurses who are in the industry, okay? Yeah. So many coworkers that are leaving the bedside to get into that, so exactly. I know. Exactly, so it's, and that's why I teach this because it's just, it's so much, right? Especially for us, because most nurses like being nurses. So we want to take care of patients. Yeah. So having the ability to take care of people who gladly want to see you and you're not having to deal with all the politics and you're not extremely exhausted when you're done taking care of your these patients because you only have three, if that, in a day. And it still could be a 10K day, right? And so definitely it's the industry, but I can only focus on what I can focus on. And so most of it is definitely from my coaching yeah and you know there's a few people out there every now and then they'll leave comments on my videos that say why is it that you care so much about how much money you make but you know just because you're a nurse does not mean that you cannot invest in yourself when i got into this profession i was like a broke college student i remember me and my wife were eating ramen noodles for like four years in a row yeah. because we couldn't afford anything better than that and you know what? My wife, because our daughter, she's not my biological daughter. I remember when my wife had her, they were mm -hmm. sleeping in the floor for like a year because they yeah. gave me a mattress. And, wow. bed, mm -hmm. you know, and I remember her going to school because she used to bring my daughter to her high school. She was a young teen mom. She used to bring our daughter to high school and the stroller that she took to the school broke and it was snowing. It was like three feet of snow. Oh, so wow. she had to literally pick her up and take her to school. And I grew up in the projects. Like I was poor, broke. My mom was a single mother raising four children on her own, working three jobs. You know, that's not the life that I want to live my entire life. And I felt like if I can help other people while I made money in the process, that's the best of both worlds. Why can't you do both, right? Why can't you make good money and help people in the process? People exactly. act like you can only choose one. Right? Exactly. Yeah, no. And and I think the reason, you know, this starts at, at orientation in nursing school. This whole mindset of like, you're in a position of servitude and don't enter it if you don't care. It's like, why can't you have both? I don't understand. Why can't you yeah. care about your patients and want to make sure that you're making money to take care of your family. I That mindset is so toxic and it is such a poverty mindset. And you know, I get that too. I get that a lot where people's like, even just for me, like, I wish you would stop telling people to come into this business because of money. And I'm like... What I'm going to tell them to do it for free. I don't exactly. understand. I'm providing them with an opportunity to see other avenues where they can leverage their licenses, have more enjoyment, not experience burnout. And that is a problem. It's like, you know, I am unapologetically okay with saying I will not do anything for free. Am I going to tell my kid when the lights are not exactly. on that, you know, like, I 100% agree. Especially yeah. in nursing, yeah. they really expect that from us. Yeah. It's yeah. like we, we can give everything, including our firstborn, and it's still not. Not enough if we dare ask for a dollar more <laughs> and you know it gets exhausting after a while i'm like i just have to delete these comments on youtube because i don't want to put up with them anymore yeah. but i want my audience to know how to find you because you know, I know plenty of nurses who have reached out to me from previous videos that I've made, like the one that I said where I interviewed that nurse who owns the beauty aesthetics company, yeah. and they want to know how to get started. So now you provide these kind of services. Uh, how can they reach out to you? Yeah, so they can follow me. I have several platforms, but I'm on, you can, my website is www.doctor. Kiana, K-I-I-Y-O-N-N-A, jones.com. 
everything. That's like the hub of all the things I do. But I'm also on Instagram, Sidepreneur, S-I-D-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R, underscore nurse. And that's also on YouTube, Sidepreneur underscore nurse. I do have a free Facebook group. And the Facebook group, I have over 2,000 nurses in it. And I come on every Monday and I do Med Spa Monday. And I'm just giving a tip about the Med Spa industry or something related to business startup. And that's free. So you can find that on the Facebook group platform. If you enjoyed this video and you want to see more like this, make sure you click on this playlist here and you follow us for more.